Good morning and welcome to the Basketball Show. I'm your host, Paul Sir. Our text line is one 401 Please text us your comments, your questions throughout the show. I'd like to welcome our producers. We've got an army of producers today. The great Connor Halley, of course. Connor, great to see you. Yeah, glad to be back for another show, Paul. Ryan Reed and Brian Swain. We're going to start with you, Ryan. Would you tell our listeners about our poll question this morning? For sure. So over on Twitter or X, our ad is at basketball underscore show. That is at basketball underscore show. And on uh, today's poll for the day will be uh, for All-Star Weekend. So we have who will win the NBA dunk contest tonight. We have our, we have some early results in there already. Uh as you guys know, it's Jalen Brown, Jamie Jackas Jr., Mac McClung, and Jacob Toppin competing tonight. So go over there at basketball underscore show on Twitter or X and vote on that before the show is over. Thank you, Ryan. Uh, I'm going to switch over to Brian Swain. Uh, Brian, you, you can't make up what you saw last weekend with the women's national team from Canada. They needed to win or have Spain win in order to qualify for the Olympics. They played a very gritty, tough Japan team, lost by four. And then in the third quarter, Spain is down 22 points. What were your thoughts at that point? Did you ever draw the conclusion that that Canada was out of it and wasn't going to qualify for the Paris Olympics? Yeah, I think I was already starting to come to terms with the fact that uh, we were. <laughs> You're in your grief Olympics. counseling, so yeah, yeah. No, uh, I was actually texting with a couple of friends, and we were just saying, like, can you know, can you believe this? And I think we were kind of starting to get, all get ourselves in that place mentally, where it's like, I can't believe after everything, we're not going to be going. Uh, this this is kind of the golden era of Canadian basketball, and here we have this opportunity for the first time since 2000 to have both the men's and women's teams there, and then. Uh, like I said to you after that game, Paul, I texted you and said we should open this show with the Spanish national anthem because we <laughs> we owe Spain a lot. That's one of the most unbelievable comebacks I've seen, and uh, yeah, we're going to we're going to Paris. That's right. And in the end, it's like a W in the column of an ugly game. It doesn't matter. It's the W. So Canada right. qualifies for the Olympics, and now remaining uh, are I think all of us are going to be watching anxiously as the Canadian women. Uh, and men try to qualify for the uh, 3x3 uh, berths in the Olympics as well. Uh, but to have men and women for the first time in a long time qualify for the Paris Olympics is a big step forward for basketball in Canada. We have a great show today, and I'm going to start with hour two. Uh, we have former Kentucky great, 1978 NCAA champion Kyle Macy joining us. Uh, Kyle had a, a nice NBA career post-Kentucky also was in the first ever shootout or three-point shooting competition. So um, Kyle's going to come on and we're going to try to pump him for some Larry Bird stories as well. So really looking forward to that. And then we also have the play-by-play voice of the Indiana Pacers who have a lot of Canadian content uh, up up to and including the MVP of last night's rookie game, uh, Ben Mathurin. Uh, Chris Denari's going to join us. But our one is a special one. And when we looked at starting the basketball show again after being off the air for nearly four years. One of the focal points is to have local content be a big part of it. And I cannot think of a more exciting way to bring local content than what we're going to be able to do this morning. Uh, Dave Young's last night. uh, Dave's been at Ross Shep High School for about 120 years. And uh, Dave last night had... His final regular season game in the gym and a wonderful celebration uh, afterwards. So Dave is going to join us this morning, uh, but also his buddy, 
and backcourt teammate from the great late 80s Golden Bear teams. Sean Cherzenoff joins us. And as well, uh, Steve Sir, who played for Dave, won two provincial champions, uh, has held the NCAA career three-point percentage leader, uh, has been the three-point percentage leader for 17 consecutive years and is still the top-ranked 3x3 player. Steve joins us as well. Guys, welcome. I'm going to start with you, Dave. Uh, uh, what was last night like, first of all, with the game and second of all, with the celebration? You're not one who's noted for loving to speak in front of crowds and have the attention focused on you. Yeah. Th- uh, thanks for having us, first of all. Um, it was a great night. It was overwhelming. Um, <clears throat> uh, really proud of our team. Uh, boys played uh, really hard, and and they try and do what we ask them to do, and and uh, so far, it's been a really fun year, and hopefully we get to continue um, with playoffs, and, and we'll see how that goes. And then the rest of the night was, uh, like I said, overwhelming. Um, a lot of surprises. Uh, Jersey here was the first one. I get emotional, I guess. So, it's okay. <laughs> it's all right, Dave. It's crazy. Uh, it's all right. But there was guys that uh, Chris Horwood came from Victoria, uh, Rob Poole was there from Victoria, um, and Ken Larson from Calgary. Like it was, it was just overwhelming when I saw all those people. It was really cool. Well, I think uh, obvious testimony, Dave, to the friends that you've developed, the uh, fr- the friends, the friendships, and the impact. And that was uh, reiterated many, many times through the evening by a variety of speakers. And I have to tell you, the three guys off your team. Stole the show. <laughs> yes, they they did. really did. Yeah. Up to and including dropping the F-bomb. So I thought that was, <laughs> that really set the tone for the evening. It was, uh, but it was special to see three guys currently w- playing with you, working with you in the team, come up, not just express their affection and their gratitude, but they're so well-spoken. They're really thoughtful and very, very uh, mature in their vision of life in the world. And I mean, uh, I'm not going to say that's all you, because obviously they've had other influences in their life, but you're one of the primary influences, Dave. Well, those those kids have been with Ryan, uh, Ryan Dunkley and myself and for three years. And well, obviously, they, they definitely have a strong background with their families and stuff um, to put up with Ryan and I for sure. Um, but they are unbelievable kids. They're high academic kids. They're, uh, they're, ju- they're just going to be very successful people in the future. And, and I think very highly of all three of them. So, Sean, uh, you're, you're up from Calgary. Yep. Correct. Are you, tell us about where, what you're up to now. I'm going to go into oh. the history, but well, let's talk about, let's get caught up here. I'm not doing a whole lot other than teaching, teaching, teaching LD kids, uh, kids with learning difficulties. I've been at, at Calgary Academy, it's called, and it's, uh, uh, I've been there 33 years and kind of, just went to practice interviewing skills and they hired me and never looked back and so um you know and yeah coached coached basketball there for about 20 years and then my own kids came so I took a breather I'm not as committed as this guy sitting next to me but um and then coached a little golf and uh yeah and then try to get up here as much as I can to see this guy and uh last night was yeah, it was overwhelming for me too. I couldn't look at your mom and dad. 
Yeah. Every time I looked at them, I get, get a little emotional. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah uh, people last night kept asking me when I'm going to retire because everybody seems to be retiring right now. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if I'm there yet. I'm still enjoying the the great eights. It's great that you're enjoying the great eights, yeah. and uh, you guys are just pups anyway, so you're just starting to get your <laughs> yeah. legs. So, uh, Steve, uh, last night uh, you gave a very nice tribute to Coach Young's on behalf of a really special group of players uh, that won three consecutive provincial championships. You were there for two of them uh, before moving to the Twin Cities uh, in, in Minnesota. But what stood out for you last night? I'm, I'm going to ask you first of all, what stood out for you watching the team play? Hmm. And then secondly, what stood out for you in the celebration afterwards? What I enjoyed watching the current Shep team, uh, I had a chance to watch them practice a couple weeks ago when I came and visited with them. And uh, they play collectively, uh, which is a sign of Dave's teams. Um, they share the ball. There's a willingness to play together. There's a, an enthusiasm for other people's, other players' success, which is big. On, on any good team um, and I, I, I like I like what they do because they, they're very ref, uh, representative of the kind of coach that Dave is like they, they communicate well um, as I mentioned uh, if, if a guy's open he's going to get it um, they shoot they shot it well last night especially um, but I, more than anything <clears throat> I like how they how they play because it translates to other levels uh, the ability to move off of the ball the ability to try and read and react uh, the ability to make a t- other teammate better, and then if the defense makes a choice to take that away, then that presents an opportunity from the player who made that conscientious choice to to try and get somebody else open. That's a style and uh, and a thinking that translates beyond high school. Um, it's not pressing. It's not just one on one ISO ball screen stuff. Um, that's very easy, especially when you move up in levels to shut down because the athletes and the IQ get so much higher. So I enjoyed watching that because, again, it brings back memories for me, for my group of how we played for Dave and and um, things that we learned in high school that we were able to take with us when, when we moved to, to college and beyond. Um, really enjoyed that. And then, you know, also with the three players that spoke, uh, they handled themselves very well. They're well-spoken. They're gracious. Uh, they clearly enjoyed playing with one another, and that, that shines through. Um, for the night itself... Uh, what really struck me was uh, the community of people that uh, love Dave and care about Dave and care about Shep, obviously with him being the pillar of that, um, and, and how that crosses over from not just like the current group of players or, or the group of players that you played with, but how it crosses over into other age groups, and, you know, older players. Like, I never played with Chris Horwood, but I... I had a really nice chance to speak with him for a while last night, and I never played with some of the younger guys, but you visit with them too, and it, it all centers around their our connection and, and care for Dave. Uh, so that was really special to see how that really uh, crosses over and, and transfers to multiple generations of players. That certainly came through loud and clear, and you're listening to the basketball show on Sports 1440. I'm here with Dave Youngs, Sean Cherzenoff, and Steve Sir. Uh, Dave, Talk about your 2024 team versus your 2000 team and the differences in term, not not in personnel, but in differences and how the game has changed and evolved. Well, like Steve said, like the game's changed a lot of like you're doing a lot of ball screens and isolation stuff and 
and I've never really fallen into that realm, I guess, and and I've stuck with what I uh, what I like with our motion offense. I think it creates more opportunities for every player on the floor, and sometimes that's a detriment. And I and when I when you look back, like you, we had Steve Sir, we had Jermaine Buckner, we had Phil Sudel. They would have been at any other school. They're probably averaging 30 to 40 points a game. Uh, they come to us, and we're at Ross Shep, and you got Steve probably averaging 20, 25, and Jermaine 15 to 20, and Phil Sudel 15 to 20, and it's it was a lot of personal sacrifice on their end. But I also think that's what it takes to win a championship, and and uh, those guys were. Uh, well versed in basketball and knew what they wanted and and they had gone with with you and Phil Allen and and Dave Dorward to all those tournaments by the time they came to me I mean they had played like 80 to 100 games already and they were they knew exactly what they wanted and where they were going so um, it actually became very easy for me this year's kids very uh Raw, I would say, in a lot of ways, they it's different. Instead of going, they they go to all these AAU things sometimes, and and uh, they get taught all these one-on-one moves, and and it doesn't necessarily translate to the way Rochette basketball plays. That's that's such an interesting point because in it, I I would like to touch on that in an upcoming segment. I I'd really like the old grizzled guys' uh, opinions of. The way kids train now, the way they're coached, the way they're trained, the way they're prepared, because it's something I, I've, I've read a lot lately where there's no doubt that the individual skill set that a lot of kids have, and I mean being able to dribble right hand, left hand, do a lot of the fundamental movements really well, but the understanding of what to do with those movements in a team environment doesn't necess- it doesn't necessarily get taught or emphasized when they're playing. Uh, is that is that uh, coach what you see with your kids coming in? Uh, it's it's exactly what I see. I, I just had two conversations last week with two of our grade eleven kids, and they work hard. They're in the gym and they're shooting. They're good shooters. They're they're pretty good shooters. They're not they're not Steve Sir, but they're good and. Uh, we put them on the floor in a game situation, and if they dribble, they tend to get in a little trouble because they can't make a decision. And so what I find is they end up doing all this training, but then it doesn't transfer over into a game. And so I've told these two kids, they better get on some kind of club team where they're gonna play a lot and go out there and play. And it's, it's your job to make everybody else better. And that doesn't mean you're gonna score 30 points in these games but maybe you're going to score 15 but you're going to have 8 to 10 assists and maybe 10 rebounds or you got to be well-rounded now I think and I think that's what university coaches want absolutely now we're going to take a quick break right now and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about the U of A careers of Sean and Dave and uh, the impact that their their generation that their teams had on the future of Golden Bear basketball because I really believe that's that your teams are the ones that set the tone for greatness at the U of A. You're listening to the basketball show on Sports 1440, and we'll be back right after this break. 
Welcome back to the basketball show on Sports 1440. I'm your host, Paul Sir. Here this morning with U of A legends, Sean Cherzenoff, Dave Youngs, and uh, Steve Sir. Guys, uh, I'm going to jump into when uh, my family moved to Edmonton. It was uh, 1987. And one of the first things I wanted to do, one of the first things I noticed was the only thing that they talked about on sports radio here was hockey. And uh, then I heard Don Horward come on and the basketball shtick of his. And it was tremendous. And the enthusiasm he brought. And I thought, you know, we got to get over there. So I take uh, my family over to watch the Golden Bears play. And I I walk in and uh, I I can't remember the first game that I saw. But I saw these two guards, undersized guards out there. And you guys had to make a comeback win. And and honestly, I remember Cherzenoff hitting unorthodox shots frequently. And I remember Young's, and one of my favorite episodes of Seinfeld is the library cop. And he talks about, I'm going to be on you, Seinfeld, like a pit bull on a poodle. And that's what I felt about Young's was that he, the dogged determination, the effort, the energy. And so we became regulars uh, right away. Like you won our hearts and uh, eyes right away. And I know how it influenced Steve and Ben uh, in particular, who were old enough to be at the games. So talk about the Golden Bear team, which... It was at 88 you guys got up to number one and lost in triple overtime? 86, 87. 86, 87. So that was the first year we lived here. Um, so, But talk about the Golden Bear teams, and then the second layer is talk about the league at that time and the quality of teams that you played. Yeah, our first year, well, my first year, 85, I think we only, like, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, but we, like, won four games. It's because I didn't play. <laughs> that could be it but uh yeah and i i was a rookie at that time and i'm wondering what why the hell did i come up here and and uh but i mean i was just a kid who wanted to play so uh winning and losing of course i wanted to win i desperately been i was such a competitor i think who was that kid back then so long ago but but that yeah i think that first year was huge um like losing helped us kind of understand how much more how much more we got to work and like we definitely had t- talent like i remember suderman cornack 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 great athlete um these were kind of our leaders and and they they kind of never had that never quit attitude and it all they their leadership and cousins right he would yeah. beat the living daylights out of me every day at practice and uh and i think it just taught us how to how to compete and i mean we were losing but you know the next year that's when we totally turned it around and and uh it was yeah we that was a tough loss there being number one but um and it was a little tougher yeah you mentioned back then there there was five teams right in canada west so well and, and talk about a couple of those teams because i we were talking off air uh about remembering the great UVic teams. I mean, just big, athletic, could shoot it, you know, dominant inside. And I remember you guys beating them in coming back and beating them in, in the main gym over at the U of A. But I mean, talk about the, yeah, like build on that Sean and Dave. Well, they, they had, well, they had Ken Shields, first of all, the national team coach. And then they had all these national team players, 
like Spencer McKay and and Jeff McKay and Tom and Johnson, Tom Johnson, and and we didn't have anybody at that time. Well, and, and Spencer <clears throat> was six ten. Six yeah, nine, six nine, six, yeah. nine, six, six nine. ten, and Big. his brother. I mean, and then they had Devoki and like their uh, front line was six nine, six nine, six eight. Yeah, yeah. Was Cord Clemens huge. playing back then too. He was a seven footer. Yeah, 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 he was. Yeah, and that was like <laughs> third diamond. Duck. Yeah, like there's guards now seven feet, but seven footers back then. Yeah. Like, we, the game has definitely gotten bigger. And yeah, we had stronger. Mike Suderman who was six four. Yep. Uh, but he was fantastic. Yeah, that, that's a that's a, an awfully big, awfully good six four. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, UBC had they had several uh, national team players too: Mike Clark, Al Alon, JD Jackson. And then you'd go to Saskatchewan, and they had Byron Tkarczuk and Kirk Jones and Greg Jockums, who coached U of S. And and um, and now these names won't mean a lot to people who don't know the history but the names that are being mentioned by sean and dave i mean these guys could play like fundamentally sound really physical and and the thing that i remember the most and just on a personal and steve you were very young but just how competitive the games were like they were dog fights that was what was exciting as as a young as a young guy who was into basketball at that time uh, was the ability to go down to the old gym at U of A campus and watch really good basketball every other weekend. And this ties into something that Dave was always, was always great at with his players is as I've gotten older and I've moved through the game, something that's extremely important and is a common, a common thread with good players is they're very curious about what came before them. They're curious about who was good. They're curious about how they became good players, what their circumstances were, what they worked on, what their journey was. And Dave's always been a great steward of that, of telling his players who were the good players that preceded them. Meaning that, like, you know, the game didn't start with you. It teaches a, a great level of humility that, like, hey, like, there were good players here before. So, like, if you're good, there's a certain bar that you might have to measure up to. Or if you're in this category, like I remember uh, Dave telling us a lot about these teams because I was young. I had certain memories of these guys, but you know, hearing his versions of you know, what practices were like, what these guys were like as competitors, how they played. Um, I was a really good shooter in high school, and one name that Dave mentioned to me, you used to mention to me too, was Carl Tillman. And that helped me have an understanding of, of there's been basketball in this area, and it, it helps you become familiar with um, appreciating the history of basketball and, and learning about what you want to be. Um, so Dave's always done an incredible job of that. And the great thing was, is there was so much good basketball played in this area that there were rich stories that came just from Edmonton, from players that played here, teams that played here. And uh, I know for our group especially, that really hit home with a lot of guys because they knew that there was uh, almost a responsibility that we had of trying to up our game so that you could live up to an expectation of a guy and who played on great teams and had played for a really great coach and wasn't impressed with just you know a nice day in the gym. Let, let's talk about the great coach, uh, Sean. Going back to you, what, what, what was it like? Oh, go ahead, Dave. Before, I like, I just had like to add in something about Sean. In my in my first, we we came in together. And I'm exactly one year older than Sean. Our birthdays are on the same day, which is pretty cool. No kidding. Um, but one of my first memories 
is I came in from McNally High School and I was a big shot in Edmonton <laughs> High School basketball. And I came into practice and Horwood always had us, you always had something, you had a punishment if you had to run if you lost. So I remember our team beat Sean and Mike Cornack. And I'll never forget seeing Sean, a first-year guy, in like the first week of practices, I'm still wide-eyed. And these two are sprinting, and you got to make the suicide in 30, 30 seconds or the lines or whatever you want to call it. And they're both screaming at each other, cussing each other out. And I'm looking at this, and I'm going, what did I get into? <laughs> and I started to figure out how you need to be competitive in order to play. And, and I think that's sort of where, at, at first, I hated this guy. And uh, I liked you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I've, I've grown to kind of learn from him, and you learn how to compete. And it was awesome. Knack. I remember that day, honestly, like it was like, <laughs> man, he's probably stinking, you know, he's the vet. Who is this little twerp from Calgary? <laughs> yeah. He's pissing me off. And, and we were, and I just didn't back down. I don't know what I was thinking because I, but it was that compete. I, it just, we did not like to lose. And when we lost that, oh, <laughs> that game that or whatever, crazy. and I'm sure, uh, <clears throat> Yeah, uh, Dave, I, I kind of got a little more playing time that first year. So I think, that, I mean, you guys were joking yesterday. Last night, they, they brought out Dave's stats, uh, for that first year. And he, he, it was like zero, zero, zero. He, he didn't even get a turnover, didn't even shoot the ball. <laughs> and, uh, and then Dave's pissed off again at me because here's some kid from Calgary coming in here and up here in Edmonton and, and uh playing ahead of them and yep. but but you know when we look back on it it definitely like we definitely made each other better because we you know he he was probably trying to knock me off or whatever he needed to do to get more playing time and we competed every day and it you know if if we didn't have each other then we definitely wouldn't have been the players that we were so you had each other and you had a coach who the way i uh, is this an accurate descriptor of Coach Horwood? Is that he would throw gasoline on the competitive fires yeah. <laughs> of just look for ways to to irritate, to uh, to berate, to but but to motivate, like it did to motivate you to be better. But it takes a special kind of mentality to accept the kind of coaching that that Don would 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 confront you with. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I think it was probably more typical than the, what people term as old school coaching, but it doesn't matter what generation, when you're getting berated, when you're getting, uh, you know, really uh, getting yelled at, getting pushed, all of that with high expectations, it takes a special mentality to be able to, to accept that and to push through it and to drive yourself to become better. Right, Dave? Uh, I, to be honest with you, like... Irritate, yes. Motivate, for sure. Berate, I never felt berated from him, ever. And I was, like, I came in and I wasn't, I was in the bottom four of the 14 guys. And um, <clears throat> I thought he was just very honest and upfront. And it took me a while to understand what he was 
wanting to accomplish, and all he wanted was for the team to get better. And um, I, I started learning that by my third, fourth, fifth year. <clears throat> but um, after my first year, I just remember he brought me in, and again, he was very honest, and he, he motivated. He basically said, if you don't get better this summer, don't come back. And I know he said that to other players, like a Jay Johnstone. There's the famous Jay Johnstone story. And um, I think I think he just knew how to get the best out of his players. And uh, I truly appreciated that from him. Sean, your memories of Coach Horwood. Uh, you know what? I just loved him. And, I, yeah, I totally agree with Dave. There was no berating, but he... Uh, and I think, I don't know, I, I've been kind of lucky, and it's probably because I worked my ass off every time I stepped on the floor because he never he never really gave it to me a lot. Like, I, I even think of Coach Shields when I was with the national team. He never, ever really gave it to me. I don't know what I was doing. I, was, I, I think they knew that I just worked hard, and so they they never had to get on me because I was slacking off because I didn't know how to do that. And Coach Horwood, for sure, was one of those guys I he never ever sat me down and and said listen you got to do this and that and pick up the whatever I just I think I just innately was always competing so well one of the things I think that uh, uh, that coaches talk about every I, I think almost every coach says I don't want to have to coach effort and that's one thing that uh, coach Horwood never had to do with Sean Cherzenoff and Dave Young's is coach effort mm. Uh, a lot of times coaches feel like they they go through their entire season coaching effort and they really never get into the teaching and growing part of the game at the level that they'd like to. But you guys never, you had this unqualified 100% going after it that, that you brought. Steve? I think what's, uh, it ties into what we talked about earlier with player development, how what you work on in practice, what you work on when you get in the gym translate to games. Sean said it, you can cover up so many things that maybe aren't perfect if you're competitive and if you get out there and compete. You're never going to play a perfect game. You're never going to have a workout where you make every shot. You're probably never going to play for a guy that's every day going to tell you that you're just doing an amazing job, keep it up. But one of the things that will go unnoticed, you won't get pats on the back, but you can probably see, like, I mean, man, I'm, I had a turnover here, this happened, but I'm competing from the start to the finish. And what the guys are, are really driving at is the hardest jump from high school to college, I found, and it sounds like what they're saying, is the competitive part, is you jump in there and all of a sudden it's like, man, every drill becomes exponentially more important. There's guys that are legitimately upset if they lost and have to run a sprint, not because they have to run, but because they lost, because the competition side of it is what matters the most. Um, Dave did that for our group, and this was something for me as a player that especially when I look back on it, it's the same stuff that I like to do now is everything has to be competitive. If you're doing a drill, it's a complete waste of time to not have a competitive element to it of you have to make X amount of shots in a row. You have to make X amount of shots in a certain time. Even if it's competing with yourself, you have to find ways to add an extra challenge or a heightened sense of urgency because there is a bar that you have to either get over or you're not because it's competitive and because it matters to you. So obviously it was learned uh, through running and competing and, and fighting with teammates at the U of A, but that was 
what Dave took into his coaching career and placed on us, especially with our group being a very competitive group, I can only identify with it um, individually where I loved that about our Shep practices. If it was three-on-two, two-on-one, it was a winner and a loser. And the guys who won were really happy, and the guys who lost were pretty pissed. So what they were talking about before of you know jumps for high school players, um, the importance of of how you improve as a ball player at the heart of it, the real soul of it is the competitive aspect and embracing that, not trying to survive something, but competing against it. You're listening to the basketball show on Sports 1440. I'm your host, Paul Sir, along with Dave Youngs, Sean Cherzenoff, and Steve Sir. So Dave, uh you you who was the best who was the best player that you played against at the U of A? Oh, I'd say Sean for sure. Okay. It was every day. We didn't who, who, we we didn't have a like to to bounce on the uh uh competitiveness. You didn't have a choice back then. Like you you're you're competing or you're not playing. And if you're not playing, you either quit or you work harder. Nowadays, kids like complain about the coach or they complain, well, maybe I need to go to a different program or you got the transfer portal or what you have all these other options. Back in that day, my goal was to play at the University of Alberta. And if I wanted to do that, I had to compete. There was no other option. I didn't want to go to Grant McEwen. And not because Grant McEwen was bad. I just, I wanted to be at U of A. I wanted to get my education there. I, that's where I needed to be. And that was my focus. So you had to compete every day. And if you didn't, then you just kind of fall by the wayside. And I, I, I remember Sean and I, like when rookies would come in, we'd, I, I, I don't think we did it on purpose, but subconsciously, I think we went after them. Mm-hmm. And we tried to, I mean, I, I'm ashamed to say this now, but at times, like if I thought he was getting the better of me, I, I might try and hurt him a little bit, right? Like I did not want him to take my playing time. I earned that. It took me a full year. Like he got to play a lot, and but he never quit either. And it, it, it was just different. And I think you, you touched on something that I'd love to get into in the next segment, which is, What's great today is all of the opportunities and choices. What's not great today is all the opportunities and choices and where the points of emphasis are. So, Sean, I'm sure you'd probably echo what Dave said in terms of day-to-day in practice and going at each other. How about in uh, the league? Who was the best player you played against in the league? Oh, geez. That's a good one. Probably, uh, well, Vinia was tough because he was just that... He tell people. Vigne, okay, John Vigne was a kid from, uh, uh, geez, what's that school? Uh, Bishop Carroll in Calgary, and he had the knack of like if the game was on the line. Like I, I remember he was a U of A, and he they're down two, and he's in the corner, like right in the corner, and of course they get it to him, and he he banks it like it nick you know nick nick the side and he that was a game winning shot there and the kid right from high school he finished two he he hit two free throws to win the provincial championship uh but this this kid had he just could get it done and he offensively he was like just unstoppable so he was a tough one because he they kind of built their offense around him too so it was always let's try to 
stop him, and we really couldn't. And he was just like a little five ten guard, again different. <laughs> but he had the it factor. Oh, he he did, yeah. So, how about yourself, Dave? Uh, I always struggled with um, probably uh, JD Jackson and Jeff McKay, like JD at UBC and and Jeff McKay, because I seemed to always had to cover him. Sean got the smaller guy. I don't know why that was, but. <laughs> um, so I got the big, bigger shooter guys, and um, it, it's just hard. Like they're six four, and I'm five eleven, six feet, and and they were very good players, and uh, it, it was fun. I, I really enjoyed competing against those guys. I remember Jackson as being a, a really special athlete. Like he, his his movements were were just different than a lot of the players that I saw in in Canada West. Like. He just off the bounce. He was he would do things that you just didn't didn't typically see athletes play. Steve, uh, I'm going to close this segment off with you. Uh, I, I mean, you had a, a, a different experience down in the states, but who was the best player that you played against in college? Um, when I was in Northern Arizona, it would probably be Rodney Stuckey. Uh, Rodney Stuckey played at Eastern Washington, was a draft pick, I believe, by the Indiana Pacers. Um, or the Pistons. Pistons. I think it was the Pistons, the Pistons, then he ended yeah. up with the Pacers. Yeah. Uh, he was a freshman. He was supposed to go to UW, uh, Washington. And back then they had some you know, academic things where if you didn't qualify, you became a Prop 48, and you could go to other schools that allowed. So Rodney was a freshman when he came to us, and it was his first conference game. And our scouting report was like, you know, hey, guys, he's good. Uh, you know, Just get up in him, though he's young. We can bother him. And I think he had 45 against us that night. <laughs> And he was, it was one of those things where you see right away, it's like, okay, there was a different level of strength. His arms were a little bit longer. His first step was quick. He didn't get bothered if you put pressure on him. And you could tell right away, like, we won that game, but uh, there was something about him where he was just like, yeah, he's an NBA guy. Um, at San Diego State, we played an Arizona team that was number one ranked in the country uh, at home on ESPN, and they had... Luke Walton, Andre Iguodala, Salim Stoudemire, Jason Gardner, Channing Frye, uh, Hassan Adams, um, Isaiah Fox. Like, everyone was an All-America. Ricky Anderson. And we played with them into the second half. And then they put their press on us. And the game went, I think, from us being down four to being down 17 in the blink of an eye. And the guys they had on the team. I remember Andre Iguodala was a freshman. And that was who I was guarding because I was starting and they just said, like, you know, hey, he can't really shoot. And he couldn't at that time. But same thing. His arms were like, when they threw the press on, you couldn't see in front of you. And they would push you to the corners, and then you would turn your back. And this guy, other guy would be on you in the blink of an eye, jumping passing lanes, getting up in you. But probably on that team, the guy that stood out the most, outside of Luke Walton with the way he could just dictate a game with how he passed and, and found guys on the team, was Salim Stoudemire. He was so quick. He shot high 40s in the three from the three that year but his first step would just blow by you he was a lefty and he was doing step back stuff really before step backs became very popular so you were always off balance guarding him you were just praying he didn't put it down one more dribble because your coaches were going to say don't let him get to the middle and it's like no one in the country can stop him from getting into the middle but that team was so loaded um that outside of picking the best player that we played that year when you looked at the team across and you'd be like okay we're going to fight there's going to be 14,000 fans here. this is going to be a fun game Bill Walton was on the call so you knew there was wild stuff being said on the mic 
but they were so talented and so deep and so well coached by Lute Olson too. And when they got turned loose and started hitting shots, it was just like, what can you do? Well, those are those are great memories from all of you guys. So we're going to take a break right now. When we come back, we're going to talk about the NBA today. I really want to get your your guys' thoughts on the NBA, the NCAA recent trip. You had Dave going down to Boston and seeing one of your players, your former players at Rochep, Jermaine Buckner, who's with the Celtics organization now. We're going to talk about that when we return on the Basketball Show on Sports 1440. Welcome back to the Basketball Show on Sports 1440. I'm your host, Paul Sir, here with Dave Young's, Sean Cherzenoff, and Steve Sir. Okay, guys, let's let's talk about basketball today. Uh, Dave, we're going to talk about a trip you just made. Jermaine Buckner, who played with you, Steve, uh, in the great Ross Shep era, w- winning three consecutive provincial championships in 99, 2000, 2001. Jermaine has a great career overseas. Now he's uh, working with the Boston Celtics. And recently you and a few other Edmontonians headed down to Boston. Talk, talk about that experience. Oh, it was fantastic. Um, uh, some dream things happened, obviously. We got to shoot some hoops in TD Garden. Uh, we got to go in the locker room. Uh, we eventually went into the practice facility and we got to shoot hoops there. Um, I was hoping to meet like maybe some of the coaches and talk to them, but I, I, we did meet Sam Cassell, which was pretty cool because uh, I had a sort of a previous connection with uh, his former coach at Florida State. Um, uh, so there, there was, I, I, I was hoping to get coaches, but then when you get there and you see what's going on and how hard they work and how much pressure is on these players, you realize that that's their private time and stuff. And and it was really good to see, and it was really cool to see Jermaine in that atmosphere. Um, and it, it definitely is not glamorous. I mean, we went out for supper, and while we're eating, Jermaine was there with his laptop, and he's cutting up film, and that's he's getting the next uh, game plan set for the next team that he has to do with. And then, you know, I always look for him behind the bench and stuff when I'm watching on TV, and and I found out that he's in the locker room, and, and he's cutting up film as it's happening, so he's not even out there during the game. But the incredible thing is he's got Brad Stevens right beside him, and and they're talking basketball, and he's got uh, uh, who's the other guy, um, the consultant, his brother Van Gundy, Jeff Van Gundy, there too. I'm going. These are like brilliant basketball minds, and you're sitting there and you're cutting up film, and they're talking to you about the game. Just a amazing experience, and uh, and I I've actually told Steve. He needs to get on that, figure out that laptop stuff because that's where his path should lead. Well, and I think, you know, you talk about how hard this is. Like, there's a reason these are the best of the best in the world. This is no joke. This isn't a, a glamorous, easy pathway just because you're a good player That when you get there. The, the effort that athletes, coaches, the entire support staff and organization – have to put in to be able to remain competitive. And, of course, Boston, arguably uh, one of the top two or three teams in the league, if not the favorite in many people's minds for the championship this year. But the de- the attention to detail is remarkable, isn't it, oh, Dave? It, you, you, as soon as you walk in, it's culture. Like you're seeing 
Bill Russell with his rings in his hands. Uh, you go in through the parkade and the entrance to go up the elevator, and for every game they create an album of songs, and they have different themes for about 10 games, and like fighting through adversity, uh, weathering the storm, um, and they have these albums, and that's what they play when you walk in, and it's all about that little moment or section of their season. And then you walk in, and again, it's nothing but pictures, and you got banners, and they have an empty banner there because that's supposed to be where they get to. That's the banner they're going to fill this year. And it's it's just it's amazing to see the detail and the amount of effort. And, I mean, there was... We saw Pritchard in there at 10 o'clock at night shooting. And that's what he does, I guess. And he's just a gym rat. And you watch the guy shoot, and it's, it's, it's very similar to watching Steve shoot. Like, it's so pretty. It's, it's awesome. And he's not just working on his three-pointers. He's working on dribbling through the key and doing little fadeaways and just how to create his shot. It was really cool to watch and see how much effort these guys put into it. Sean, uh, as I'm listening to Dave, what strikes me, and, and you know, and I've seen it throughout Steve's life because Steve just had that motivation to to do the little things as Dave just described. But with your with your love of the game, with your passion for it, your unqualified effort. Do you feel, how do you feel, how do you, how do you feel about if you would have had the opportunities or the, the, because when you guys practiced, it was a different kind of practicing than that, wasn't it? I mean, it was more playing, it was more playing games and working on your shots, but it was more about learning how to play. Like we talked earlier about kids that a lot of times kids today can do all the, the, the motions dribbling, shooting, all of that, but they don't know how to play. You guys really knew how to play. Like, I look at the perfect blend would have been if Sean Cherzenoff would have had the opportunity to train like players train today, mm-hmm. combined with your work ethic. What do you think of that thought process? He wouldn't have been in the weight room. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing with with the... That's how the game's changing. It's just so much better now. And And I'm guessing all these NBA guys, they started when they were like when are they starting to play basketball at probably four and it takes a like it's a takes a special special human being to have that commitment and and they're kind of probably their goats in their high school and their junior high and and to still stay focused and become nba greats and or even just making the nba but it and i know it, it was whack when we played it was it was just like a, a dream. Like Steve Nash got it going. Like he he changed yep. things for sure. Yep. And it was always. But you know what? We're talking about JD Jackson. I remember he was always my roommate on the road there when when we were when we were playing together. And he said, "I'm going to make the NBA. I'm going to make the NBA." He 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 came close, and he was probably it, you know I think Canada didn't get a whole lot of credit with the athletes we had back then. But there's probably a few Tillman. Tillman should have been playing yep. Carl Tillman back in the day. Um, but, I mean, J.D. went on to, I think he played in, in uh, France for, for he, he got a pretty, yeah, he made a pretty good living. He's still out there. But, 
But yeah, it it's a different ball game, but yeah, I mean, we never were exposed to that. We we just were we busted our ass from what we were given and I would have been in the weight room, Dave. I would have <laughs> been in the no. weight room. But. And Steve, you had a taste of the NBA with uh, playing for the Milwaukee Bucks uh, in the summer league down in Las Vegas. Uh, I've got we've only got about a minute and a half, but what mm. top memory of of what the impression was of the NBA? Um, top memory would be uh, there's obviously all the excitement and the hoopla that surrounds it, but. Um, you get out of it as much as you put into it. So there's a lot of guys that'll go there that have an idea of how the NBA is supposed to work. Um, but one of the coaches said, I can't, I have to clean it up a little bit here, but, um, the, the key to sticking in the NBA, I think, is the key to sticking in anywhere. Is you gotta show up on time, you gotta care. And there's a lot of guys that don't show up on time, and there's a lot of guys that think that the work's gonna be done for them. And, um, what I loved about it is it's it's a hyper competitive world. There's a lot of strong alpha personalities, um, but there was a very linked common respect between everyone of, of if you show up early, if you're staying late, if you're asking questions, if you're pulling one or two guys along with you to get extra work in, then there's a mutual respect of, okay, then they're in it, that they care. Um, there's a level of athlete that exists at that level that... I don't think you, words can really describe the the speed and the height and the strength of the game is is a different universe. Um, but basketball is basketball, and as we mentioned before, if you compete and it matters to you, then you figure out a way to survive it. And uh, for me, that's one of my most special memories is just being able to get on the court and have a a jersey that had the NBA logo on it and your last name on the back, because uh, you know how hard it is to get there. And then once you're out there playing. Uh, if you get a chance, you got you got to jump right through the door because there's a bunch of other dudes waiting behind you that want to take it. So it, it's competition at its finest, and um, it's just it's it's the best. Guys, uh, this went way too fast. An hour just flew by. Uh, Dave Youngs, congratulations. I, I don't. I mean, it, it, I can't overstate this. I'm going to understate it, but congratulations and thank you for all of your years and all you've done for so many people in the classroom, in the gym. Uh, with your teams, uh, with your career at Ross Shep. Thank, thank you very much, and I, I thank you. Because when we played men's league together, yep. I really looked up to you, and I'm so thankful you brought Steve to our school, too. Yep. That's uh, provided me with another great friend. Well, and uh, and Dave, uh, it, 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 what a career, what memories, and it was it's so happy that it was able to be celebrated appropriately last night. Kudos to Ben Feldman for all the work he put into it. Sean Cherzenoff, thank you so much for coming in. This is a real pleasure. And to talk about a, a walk down memory lane. Loved it. it yeah. Great fun. It's, it's so much fun. So thanks for uh, having me here. Yeah. You, you bet, Sean. And Steve, thanks so much for being here. That tying it in together with the Shep experience into your pro experience, it's, it's, been, it's been great. It's been special to talk about Dave and especially with Sean here uh, with uh, the two running guys. But uh, I don't know how we didn't talk about the men's league team that you and you and Dave played on together. 
it, like that it, that comes up at the end is is a is a major tragedy it, that we it, weren't it able to get into what it, it, what those games were like. Yeah, but you but you you, you and don't I, I wanna, was on the bench watching those. games. I know, too. but you don't want to steal the thunder for all that you guys accomplished by really talking about great basketball. So. It, was, it was similar to playing with Sean. It was just pass Paul the ball. Get <laughs> Paul the ball. Get Paul the ball and get out of the way. Yeah. And don't expect Paul to play any defense. So you're, you're listening to the basketball show on Sports 1440. We have a phenomenal second hour. We're going to be back with NCAA champ Kyle Macy from the University of Kentucky. Here on the basketball show, Sports 1440.